0: What I have to share, just not very long this morning, uh, is in Second Corinthians chapter four, and I want to read a verse here together with you. Second um, Corinthians chapter four, and verse seven, and um, just follow me here, because I want to read this verse. And then I want to go back to an Old Testament story, because the New Testament really is a a commentary about what is happening in the Old Testament. And we see here in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 7, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What does that mean? We, you, have a treasure inside of you. And what is the earthen vessel? If I was to ask you today, what is the earthen vessel? What would your response be? The body, yes. Your earthen vessel. And what's a vessel? It's really just like a pitcher, or it's like a container, or it's something that um, has something inside of it. It's a vessel. And not only does it have something inside of it, but the purpose of a vessel is to pour out, isn't it? Uh, What good would a pitcher do if it was never used? It's to be filled, and it's to be poured out, isn't it? So this is what Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He said, "We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us." And that right there is a very, um, a very interesting uh, statement because uh, there is. This addresses a an issue that um, we may we could have in our life is that. How many times have we felt that we have inside of us what is needed, but we can't get it outside of us? Another way to put this is, is how often do we find ourselves that we ourselves are more of a hindrance to the work of God than other people or circumstances? How many times have you looked at the work of God in your life or things happening in your life and you come to this conclusion I am more of a hindrance to the whole thing than anything else, more than my finances, more than my health, more than anything else that is happening in my life. I seem to be the one that is hindering the work of God the most. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that? You? I feel that way a lot. Uh, when we, f- we see our weaknesses every day and we say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's a book that I want you to read and it's an easy book, and uh, if you don't have it and you have a computer and you'd like to, a PDF version of it, I will email it to you free of charge. Just buy me a coffee sometime or make one for me in the back. It's a book by Watchman Nee, and it's called The Release of the Spirit. How many have read that book, The Release of the Spirit? Oh, my gosh, great book. You've got to read this book. It's not a, it's not a long book. But it's about how people can have the power. They have everything that they need inside of them through Jesus Christ indwelling them. But it can't get out because the vessel needs to be broken. And this is the main problem, I think, that we face today. Is that we have everything inside of us. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, we have Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. We have the Holy Spirit in Romans 5, verse 5 inside of us. And we have the Word of God that's entwelling us inside of us, the promise of God. We have all of that inside of us. Yet it can't get out unless there is a breaking of some kind. There has to be a release of some kind. It needs to be poured out. And what is that treasure that's inside of you? Well, it's, it's Christ, and it's your Spirit how many of you have ever spoken with someone and the conversation goes like this, you're talking about the details of life, you're talking about domestic things, you're talking about trouble at work, you're trouble. You're talking about finances, or whatever you're talking about, and it's all on an earthly level. And then suddenly the conversation goes from an earthy kind of domestic political conversation, and then it goes into something like a very deep conversation where you walk away very blessed and very moved and very touched. How many of you have ever been in that kind of a conversation? Where you touch somebody's spirit, right? You touch somebody's spirit, and you touch something there that is, that is is life-changing, and you walk away and you're, you're changed. Uh, I mean, I think many of us in this room could think of someone that we've spoken with where we have gotten a chance to go through the earth and vessel and touch something in their life that's eternal, that's life-changing, that creates joy, that creates peace, that creates uh, vision. There are things that are in us and that's in our spirit that God wants to get out of us. This treasure that is inside of us, this power, this uh, the Jesus Christ, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God power inside of us, is, is really what changes lives. It's not us, and it's not our ability, and it's not our efforts, and it's not us trying harder, and it's not us trying to be a better person, but really it's just letting the treasure come out and touch people's lives. This is what we read in Isaiah chapter ten verse twenty-seven, which says that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I think that there are churches today all across the world where people come to church, they they go through the service, and there is no spiritual revelation and there's no spiritual release and there's no there's no change in their lives. They walk in and they walk out the same way. Like that was, you know, ho hum. That was another service, another, another homily, another message that I probably will forget in 10 minutes. Why is it that way? Because the vessel is not broken. The, um, the person preaching or the, the, uh, the ministry of the service are not, is not being done by broken people who are broken by God and the treasure is not coming out. You know, what I like about our church is, is that we are all in a process of growing. And we're all in a process of discovering Jesus Christ. And we're all in a process of discovering who we are in Christ in the grace of God. And as we are in that process, something's being released. And that's Christ, isn't it? Like during the worship time, you know, during the worship service. Uh, it's, it's really beautiful because the worship is anointed. Okay, the worship is anointed, and uh, you know the, the spirit of the worship leaders is is coming out, and it's being you know we're experiencing that, aren't we? It's the spirit of God, isn't it? How many understand what I'm saying? Is that there is a there that our vessel, our our body is a vessel, and inside this vessel is a treasure, and that treasure is really what changes lives, and that's Jesus Christ. So if we if we look at this verse again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 it says this we have this treasure in earthen vessels It's good to see you pastor thanks for coming 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels and again an earthen vessel it's something that to be poured into and then something to be poured out okay Now just focus with me on this cuz this is very important that we are not just a container where God pours into us, the cap is put on, and then we're stored somewhere. Stored somewhere. We are a vessel. And that vessel is to be poured into and then to be poured out. Now let's turn to, um, to the book of Judges, chapter 7, and verse 13. And the book that I was referring to by Watchman Nee, The Release of the Spirit... Uh, if you'd like to get that, like electric electronic version of that, I will send it to you via email. It's a book about how, um, how God breaks us and how the vessel comes and how the treasure comes out of the vessel. And this is the whole point of our Christianity. If there's one thing that we could remember in our Christian life is this: is that Christ is in us, and He's not going anywhere, but He's in us. But he needs to come out, and that's what people need to see. And for Christ to be able to be revealed in our lives, the vessel has to be broken. Because if the vessel's not broken, then Christ is hidden inside, and there's no life-changing going on in people's lives, okay? So if I could just ask um, during the service that we wouldn't have walking around, going in and out. It's just very disturbing for me and then for others that are trying to concentrate, unless it's an emergency the, let's look at Judges chapter 7 and verse 13. This is the story of Gideon, and I think that many of us have heard this story of Gideon when we were in Sunday school, but it has such, a, it has such an eternal meaning here. Gideon was a man that was really an underdog living in, uh, in Israel at the time that Israel was under the oppression of the Midianites the midianites were an oppressive group of people that really had no interest in israel whatsoever and they were under the slavery the totalitarian dominion of the midianites they were the midianites were historically without getting into it this morning just really a bad a bad group of people and God had called Gideon to deliver Israel out from under the, the uh, dominion and the oppression of the Midianites. And Gideon had gone through this whole process of learning who he was in Christ. Uh, then he gathered a great army, and then he said, now I'm ready to go against the Midianites. And God said, you're too strong, Gideon. You're too strong. I think that that's the state today of the church, and, this, and it could actually very much be this our own state, is that we could actually be too strong for God, meaning that one man of God put it this way. He said that the church is too strong to pray. It's It's too strong to bend its knee and to pray. It's too strong for God to work, and God cannot work. And this is what we're talking about, is that there is the vessel that needs to be broken so that God can be revealed. And this is the whole plan of God to actually graciously break us so that this treasure, Jesus Christ, can come out and be a blessing to other people. And this is really what powerful living is all about. This is how people's lives are changed. When your vessel is broken and Christ is revealed out of your life and touches other people, how are people's lives going to be changed in the church? through my hard work. Well, that's appreciated. But hard work does not necessarily change people's lives. It, it improves people's lives. But what people need is a deep change, and that can only happen through Jesus Christ in you and not ourselves. We cannot save people in the sense that we cannot be Jesus Christ in someone else's life. Only Jesus Christ can be that person. And so getting comes... And he's at this point where the, the whole, all of Gideon's armies, God begins to, oh, thank you. God begins to, oh, you can put it right there. God begins to whittle down the, 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 the Gideon's armies because it's too big. It's too big. Do you ever feel that way? you ever feel like Gideon and our endeavor for God is just, you know, so awesome. And God says, you know what, it's too much. I need to break it down a little bit. And then God goes through a series of tests, brings down Gideon's army down to 300 men. 300 men. That's unbelievable. 300 men. And God says, now you're ready. And these are loyal men, men of faith, men of God that, that understood spiritual warfare. Just 300 men. And Gideon is looking at the Midianites that are now surrounding the whole camp of, the, of Israel. And it says that it says in the the following verse here that the Midianites were like countless. They were them as well as the Amalekites. They had come against Israel, and they were going to take out Israel. And God says, "You know what? I only need 300 men to do this. Why? Because God had a point that He wanted to make. And let's look at verse 13. I'm just going to read this through with you. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream of, to his companion. So the scene is that it's probably at night. Gideon is doubting in his mind if he's really going to be able to do this. And God says to Gideon in a couple verses earlier, he says, if you need to take your servant and go down to the camp, sneak down there and listen to what they're talking about. So he does that. He goes down, he, goes, he takes his servant, Puhar, goes down there and begins to listen to the conversation in the camp. What are these men talking about the night before the battle? And one of them says in verse 13, I have had a dream. To my my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, came to a tent, struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. This is a strange dream he has, that a loaf of bread, you know, this... Measly little loaf of bread comes rolls down into the Midianite camp and then knocks down Midian's tent. And his companion in verse 14 said, There's nothing else but the sword of this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. This is what the Midianites are saying. Can you imagine that? How encouraging this is for. Gideon, did you hear this? that God had spoken to him about so much. God had broken down his own army and his own resources down to a very weak place. And he goes down there with his, with his servant and he hears this. Gideon is also the man, remember, who had to lay out a fleece for God to prove something. Gideon, I like Gideon. He's one of my favorite characters of the Old Testament. He's a, I think I'm a lot like him where a guy, you hear the voice of God, and it's very powerful, but then you have your own questions. You're like, did God really say that? Then Gideon like you know, puts out the fleeces, and he's got some insecurities, and he doesn't know if God's really in this, and God's like, that's okay with God. We can go to God and say, you know what, I need you to confirm. And I think that th- there have been some commentators that have really gotten on Gideon's case and said, you know, Gideon was a, he was a man at times of unbelief. And I think that that really summarizes a lot of us. And so God gives him this opportunity to hear in the camp of Midian the doubt that's going on, that the Midianites themselves are saying, I think we're going to lose this battle. <laughs> They're going to lose this battle. And God, God has given the Midianites, us, over to Gideon. And so in verse 15, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. You ever do that? You ever hear from God and you just start worshipping God? You just like start worshipping God. Maybe you get alone in your in your house, you get on your knees and you start worshipping God. And you're like, wow, you know what? God sent something and now it's just confirmed and you just begin to worship God. He worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of, Midianite, of Midian into your hand. And he divided 300 men into three companies. And I like, I like that he said your hands because it was never about Gideon. Gideon's not saying God has delivered the Midianites into my hand. His his attitude was team, your hands. And it, because already this band of men have already, had already gone through so much. And now Gideon says into your hands. It's like Jesus Christ saying the same thing to us that the enemy has been delivered into our hand. Then he divided, in verse 16, the 300 men into three companies. Now now Gideon himself is dividing things up into 300 companies of men. And now this army of Gideon begins to become something more like a Navy SEAL special forces operation. Uh, we have a pastor in Baltimore, and his he was a Navy SEAL, and he was... Sometimes part of a group of 60 men, they would go into um, face large armies during the Vietnam War, and they would just uh, they would just wreak havoc and the unbelievable stories that he would tell. And so he divides his company of men into three companies of 100, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand, a trumpet. Ever see those trumpets? you know like a little trumpet it puts every um, into every man's hand. Okay, so 300 men have trumpets. And as he does this, and we have to remember in our mind that whenever you read the Old Testament, these stories have symbolic meanings. You know, the trumpet, the all of these different things have meaning, and we'll get to it in a second. And he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers. Odd, isn't it? Gideon's giving his men empty jars, like take, taking your a pitcher that you use for Kool-Aid or lemonade in the summer, and you're going to take that into battle with a trumpet. Can you imagine that scene? You know, you're leaving your house and you're going to war, and you have two things. You have a trumpet and you have a pitcher. I think people in your house would think you've lost your mind. (laughs) What are you going to do today? We're going to take on the Midianites with a pitcher and a trumpet. And in the trumpet, I mean, in the pitcher... There was a there was a um, candle. <laughs> Imagine that a candle. That's at night. The pitchers are there. They got candles in the pitcher. Can't really see the flame. And you got a trumpet. And he said to them in verse seventeen, "Look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do." Isn't that great? This is another face stuff. The men here, Gideon's men, don't know exactly what's going on. But God has spoken to Gideon, and that's leadership. Sometimes God will speak to Gideon, and we don't know really what's going on. And we're taking, faith of, we're taking steps of faith with Gideon, and we find ourselves with this odd paraphernalia, and he says, now do what I do when I get to the edge of the camp. Can you imagine what these men are thinking? These men must have thought he was not taking his medication or something. <laughs> And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. In verse 18, when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are there with me, then you shall also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And so this is what they were supposed to do. They were at the, all at the, same time, at, at the same time, pitch black at night. They were to blow the trumpets, say the sword of the Lord, and at and that moment, break the pitchers. And that's what they did. 300 men around a very large camp of Midianites and Amalekites. And when they did that, it was a can you imagine 300 men blowing trumpets at the same time with the sound of breaking pitchers and then suddenly the flash of lights? It was a this was guerrilla warfare in its beginnings, I would say. This is such a and at that moment we read that the Midianites were so confused. They were so shocked and they were already internally very discouraged that they began to run and they began to kill each other. And at that day, God gave the Midianites and the Amalekites into the hands of Gideon and his army. What is the, what is the point here that I, I want to make in a practical application? Let's go back to, in our mind, in our, to our verse in our minds of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are like Gideon's army. And sometimes God has to break things down in our life to a place of weakness because we're too strong. And if we're too strong, and we go to battle and we win, then really God does not get the glory and we really do not get the blessing because God brought the victory. What people really need to see is Christ in us. And when we, like Gideon's army, are faced with an impossible situation, whatever that might be, God calls us to take a trumpet, which really speaks, the trumpet speaks of a very clear message that we have as a Christian. And what is the clear message that we have as a Christian? The finished work, the grace of God, that, that when Christ said, it is finished, it is finished. And there's nothing else to try to finish in my life. It is finished. And when we have that trumpet and when we have that picture, which is really a picture of us, you know, with the light of Christ inside of us, that when we go to the edge of the camp and then God breaks us um, through our just our humility and through our obedience and through just walking by faith. You know, everyone that's in this room, I just know stories about you, that you have taken steps in your life that have caused you to go to the edge of the Midianite camp and your, and your picture is broken. How many of you have ever felt that your pitcher got broken? (laughs) I think all of us could raise our hand, couldn't we? That my earthen vessel, and our earthen vessel, and I just want to make a a clarification here, is that God's not out to destroy us and to break us in the sense of destruction. Because if God was to bring about his plan in our life through destroying us, that would be more like a Buddhistic type of thinking. Because God is not out to destroy us. God is out to... Uh, to bring us to a point where we willingly surrender our, our soul to God. And we say, God, I am not in control here. I am not in power here. I don't know what to do here. I I voluntarily give you my life at the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, our vessel breaks. And the vessel is not our physical body. This, it's really our soul. Um, Watchman Nee brings this out in his book. That the whole structure of our self-will, our, our personal emotions, um, our self-importance, our self-love, everything that our soul is made of, uh, this is what gets broken. Because, you know, you can break somebody's physical body, but they're, but they're not broken people. And we see them all the time, don't we? Uh, you know, my wife and I went to Bosnia right after the war there. We were expecting to see broken people. But what we found was we found very beat up, destroyed, proud people. And there was no brokenness there. I mean, we've all met uh, people that are in great states of poverty. But they're very, very proud. And vice versa, we've seen that. And so necess- it not, doesn't necessarily mean that when a person's physical body or physical state is broken that they become humble. No, humility happens when we, uh, when we surrender to God to cross our life and say, you know what, I can't live my own life the way I can't live my life the way I want to and I'm going to surrender to you at the cross, Lord. And this is the big thing. When this happens, then Christ is revealed in your life and you're going to discover so much power, so much grace, so much joy, so much peace. You're going to have so much effectiveness in your ministry. Uh, when When you minister in the church with whatever you do, you're going to find so much more power and so much more grace to do it. People sometimes ask us, how can you do what you do? Like, how can you guys do this day in and day out? How can Pastor, how can Pastor Saluda and his wife, year after year, minister in this area? I mean, how, how can they do it? Well, you know what it is? It's the excellency of the power is not of us, but it's of God in us. Because we just present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And you say, God, before my feet hit the floor this morning from my bed, I'm just going to give you my life, my soul, and say, God, you live through me today. Try that. Just try that. Sometimes we talk to people, and they're in so much trouble, and they just, and at every turn that they face in their life, they're like, well, this is what I'm going to do. Well, this is what i got to do. This is, what I, this is what's got to happen. And it's like, it's so hard for that person to understand that things in our life will change when we let God break the earthen vessel and we just let God live through us and just say, God, you're going to call the shots, not me. I know this is kind of an old slogan, you know, from back in the, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. But how many remember the slogan, let go and let God? <laughs> I know it's people kind of laugh about that. But, you know, I think that's so true. Just let go of this, of, you know, of what you're trying to steer in your life and just let God function, let God work. And then when we do that, there's a great revelation in our life, and that's when satisfaction comes in, when we become very satisfied with the life that we're living, when it's not I, but it's Christ in me. And when it's not it's you trying to manipulate a situation, but it's Christ changing a situation. And, and, and I'll just close with this. Two reasons why people never, ever grow out of their state and their situation, and that they're in their situation year after year. Two reasons. Number one, people don't see the hand of God. They don't see that this is from the hand of God. They don't see that their job is from the hand of God. They don't see that their, that their health situation is from the hand of, <laughs> the hand of God. <laughs> pointing myself here, right here, guys. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. They don't see that that's from the hand of God, because if we don't see it's from the hand of God, then what'll happen is, is, that we begin to be in self mode and, you know, get it, get her done mode. But when we see that it's from the hand of God, then that's the first step. And then the second thing is, the second thing is, is that, is that they don't, is that we don't grow out of our circumstances because we just never surrender to God. And and that really is the base message here today, is that surrendering to God and really letting God have his way. Because life really has an interesting way of breaking us, doesn't it? And John chapter 12, unless the corn of wheat goes into the ground and die, it cannot bear fruit. I cannot bear fruit in my ministry unless I die. I go into the ground, get buried, be alone, and then get broken. And how many, of, how many know what I'm talking about, the breaking process? How many know what I'm talking about? All, all of us. <laughs> we're human beings. If you're human being, you're going to understand what we're talking about. And when that brokenness happens, that's when you're going to bear fruit. That's when you're going to have an anointing in your life. That's when you're going to have power in prayer. That's when you're going to have, you know, when, you, when you're in your counseling sessions, you're going to have power and you're going to have an effect. Because it's going to be not you, but Christ. And when we begin to understand that it's God and not us, that's when. Because we are a vessel. Get poured in and then pour out. Pour in, pour out. Because I don't want to be, none of us want to be these kinds of people that, that just go through the motions, you know, for the next 40 years. Go through the motions and nothing changes, you know. I mean, I, I want to see people's lives changed, and so do you. And, oh, I want to see my own life change and and I want and that's when when we live that way, and if that's our desire and if that's our passion, then we have an exciting life to live, don't we? Amen, so practical application, take steps of faith in your life, let God break you and discern the hand of God. It's nothing else but the hand of God, and if it's the hand of God, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and what? He will lift you up. Amen.